We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome back to the Eight Black Hands podcast. Today, we veer a little from our normal format to bring you some tragic news. The father, husband, basketball legend, author, Oscar Award winning executive producer, Kobe Bryant, is dead from a helicopter crash. At the time of reporting, only Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, 13, had been identified. Uh, at the time of building out this piece, five people had died, and I just got word that that number has risen to nine. So before we hop into our regularly scheduled program, we just want to go around the horn real quick and just hear reflections from the fellas. Um, I know all you fellas are fathers with daughters, with kids in general, um, but especially having a daughter. Just, uh, Chris, how about we just start with you? Um, what's your just reaction, reflection from the Kobe Bryant news from today? You know, it's, 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 it's tragic. Um, and it's a parent's worst nightmare. Be, you know, you, you do all that you can to make sure that your kids are safe when you travel, no matter what you do all day long. And, um, you know, we're, man, we're getting one reminder uh, how fleeting life is to every day. Just know that you're protecting your kids, but it, 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 it is not for sure. Each day is not for sure. I mean, we've got kids being shot in cities. You know, I'm looking at tragedies in Memphis. Uh, and in Chicago and other places where kids are actually in, in the crossfire of bullets. Um, this thing that happens today with Kobe, you know, in his final moments, he's being a good dad, daughter uh, on the road with him or he's on and, you know, and you have to know that there, there's moments where towards the end, you know, that, that this isn't looking good for you and your kid. And that's gotta be a crushing moment. And um, it's sad. We, we've seen this story too many times, actually. Um, but it's, just, it's, it's a thing for any to just realize. Uh, I know it broke up a little bit, but Chris, we got most of that, man. Thank you for that. Um, Sharif, what about you, brother? Yeah, I mean, I, I second what Chris said, you know. Um, just a reminder to, to hug your, your uh, families and your loved ones and live in the moment and because nothing is promised to us and, you know, no one's given, you know, days of, you know, that are just promised to, to us and our loved ones. And, you know, there's, uh, as you said, nine people, uh, perished in, in that crash and our hearts and, and thoughts go out to, to them as well as, you know, other folks, as Chris said, that have, you know, succumbed to, whatever ways that they transition out of, out of this uh, part of life. Um, it was actually the first time, you know, my daughter over the past year has come to me a couple of times um, and said, Hey dad, so-and-so, you know, passed away. This was actually the first person that I knew that we had somebody in common that we recognized, you know, um, he actually, the high school that he went to are the same ones that, you know, my older son graduated from and, and so it's, uh, you know, being from this area, you know, a lot of people, when you watch somebody grow up publicly, um, you know, it, it's, uh, 
you feel like you knew him or you, you, you know, you saw him enough on TV. It's not knowing him, but, you know, you have this familiarity. And so a lot of uh, people in this region, um, you know, are, are recognizing like that it was painful. I mean, Reef, I appreciate that, man. It was, uh, you know, I think it was kind of poetic just now. Your daughter was just walking in the back of the shot, which I, I think is just beautiful kind of in this moment. I, I mean, I don't know. What was your reaction before we get to Ray? Like when you heard the news? Well, first, I, I th- you know, he's a Philly boy. He, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. He, he's y'all. He's homegrown. Yeah. I mean, you know, so often, you know, you see something on on social media and you think it's a hoax. You know, like Chris said at first, I was just like, ah, you know, like you've seen it happen in the past. Uh, you know, just social media hoaxes and things like that. So that was my initial reaction. Um, then when I saw that it, it kept coming across and when when you guys put it in, in, in Slack, I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is real. And, you know, it's just sad to hear it. You know, any any loss of life is is just, you know, life is precious. Mm-hmm. So life is precious. So anytime it's, it's uh, it can be jarring when it's so sudden. Uh, Ray, how, how about you, brother? What was your reaction or reflection? Man, uh, so as Reef was saying, man, Kobe's from our generation, so we kind of grew up with Kobe. Right. Um, I remember when he uh, when he when he took Brandy to the prom. <laughs> so I remember him from like way back, bro. And um, he's always been like a he's he's always been like a phenomenal athlete. And uh, post his NBA career, you kind of see the man that he grew grew up to be, or whatever. You know, this dude spoke multiple languages. He was extremely smart. So like he was like the true definition of what a scholar athlete is to me. So I feel like he'll always be on a pedestal for that. Um, and like, you could just see the passion that he had for his daughter uh, when they were on the sidelines and he was just coaching her through things or whatever. And she was pretty damn good athlete herself. And so for me having daughters, bro, this is a tough one for me, man, because like, you know, I gotta, I gotta be even more protective and even more alert and aware of the things that are happening in my kids' lives and whatnot to make sure that I'm interconnected. Cause I don't ever want to be in a, I don't ever want to be in a space where I'm not connected. So this one's a tough one, man. You know, I mean, I think all death is tough as Chris was alluding to earlier. You know, I read that, um, the same article that, that he read, uh, with, with the kids dying in Memphis. And so, man, what it makes you do is it makes you turn into a really reflective person. So for me, you know, I think about the relationships that I have now that may have but with my childhood friends that may not be as positive as I want them to be. It makes me want to reach out to them, you know, just so that I could just be like, yo, you know, whatever happened in the past happened in the past. We need to move forward and, and you know, live life. So tell people that you tell people that are close to you, you love them because you never know if you're coming home or if you're not coming home. Yeah. And I, that's one of my takeaways, man. Like one of the first things I did was I think I put in a group in our little group chat that I love y'all. I mean, I think for me, it's just, it's really tough. Uh, it's been a rough day. And I think that it's just been a rough month for a lot of folks and just in the culture, like going back to like Nipsey Hussle passing away and then this. And then when I got word, cause at first they they said his daughter wasn't there. And then to hear that his daughter was there and it's just like, I mean, it's it's just a freak accident and it's just crazy. But I instantly thought about you three cats because I know I know how you all are about your kids. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know when we go on the road and we see like Josh on the road, like, you know what I mean? Or 
I'll see Chris post about his daughter. Or I'll always see Sharif, you know, playing with like a bug with his daughter, right? Or how Ray, or how Ray talks about his kid. And, I, and I'm just like, well, damn, how does, if this is hard for me, how hard is this for like these cats? You know what I mean? Like, and then somebody on Twitter, one of our followers posted something. It was just like, I think it was Tanisha. And she was just like, I wonder what that moment was like, you know, when that helicopter was going down and you got to look your kid in the eye, right? Or what you do. And I just was like, I, I know what that did to me. And I'm just like, fuck, what does that do to these cats? You know what I mean? So I think the other thing it does, like what you said, Ray, it makes me reflective. Um, you know, I, and we're going to talk about this as one of the topics, but Chris put out this report with his team and it's a really like interesting report if you actually look at it and, and but instead of like the enemies just didn't want to even look at it right they wanted to talk about everything but that and it just was like it's a bunch of fighting it's a bunch of like petty stuff and I mean in the four of and we fight like it's a part of what we do but it just today it just made me reflect on what outstanding petty arguments do I got with people like what stupid stuff is lingering because uh, a lot of things that I was stressing out today instantly just didn't matter when I read that right so um, that was tough we got, some, we, well, we got some other things that matter we got some uh, some some right. long standing beefs that we not gonna let go away with some of these <laughs> I mean some maybe of these edu, with some of these edu terrorists I mean maybe so, right I mean maybe I just think that like uh, if, if, if there was a moment though that did galvanize people around like let's like I mean, I, yeah, Ray, I'm just kind we'll of sad. We'll save it for the Patreon, but you let can let me stand. Be, if you stand in the way of black families, yeah. I ain't going to be walking No, no, man. I, but no, I you don't even walking around here with no fake Twitter followers and whatnot talking tough. <laughs> man, this ain't this ain't this ain't. The, I mean, we we can go into that, but just in this moment, Charles, Charles, let me say this, man. I just, I just, let me say this. Uh huh. Let me say this. This point that you just hit on, I think, is like important not to lose. With if you were to die today, mm-hmm. are some of the things you're arguing about every day important? Grand scheme after you die, you leave, and if you know that you got ten more minutes to to live, or five right. minutes, or so you're down, and your life is flashing be- between, you know, in front of your face, are the things that you have spent most of your time doing all day long really? something you want to talk to God about once you, once, once you're on, like, you know, and, and, you know, God will say like, listen, I set you up with talent and with resources and with more food and housing and shelter than most of the people in the world. Most of the people right. live on $2 a day. Earth. What did you do with what, what all right. that I gave you? And you say, Absolutely. well, you know, God, like, like God, listen, like, you know, I was busy. You know, and God says, this is, you know, I tell this the same story over time. I've said this before, but like, you know, God looks at, let's review the tape. This is you going to the club. This is you going to, you know, Redbox to return the DVD that you got from the bad movies you watched. You Bro, know. we don't, we don't, we, we, we stream movies. We don't watch Redbox. No, no, you do. You do use Redbox. You know you do. Like, no, no, don't try that. Don't, don't, come on, bro. Don't, don't do that for the podcast. I, I, I can tell, tell y'all what I do. I can tell y'all what I do in the yeah. Patreon. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but you know, the bottom line with all I'm really saying is is if you are arguing what Sharif just said about intellectual development of children every right. day and about liberating the black mind and about ra- erasing 400 years of marginalization of people, systemic marginalization and the diminishing of eight minds in classrooms every day, still in the helicopter going down with that, knowing that you're about to, that you spent most of your time doing that, it's still pretty good. Absolutely. 
I'll go ahead. Yeah. I, you was getting. A, you was getting. No, no, no. Yeah, man. Go, go ahead. That, that's what I wanted to say. And I didn't. Is I wasn't trying to cut you off either. I just saw that it gave me the yeah. notice of your red uh, signal um, that you were your internet was struggling a little bit. No, I, and and listen, I I don't disagree. pay your bill. <laughs> I don't disagree with that, right? I guess what pay I was, your bill. What, I, what I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about Who where Reef was going. Right? Who you talking to? Hold on, hold on a second. Let me let me just get this part out, right? I'm not talking about ahead, like people trying to stop black kids from learning or anything on those levels. That th- I'm not talking about the things that we'll die for, right? I'm talking more about petty beefs that you might have with an old friend. I'm talking about somebody you ain't spoke to in years over something petty. And when yeah. you look back on it, like if somebody died that you was beefing it right now and y'all actually genuinely loved each other, like would you feel like an asshole type deal? And if they yeah. you have, and if that answer is yeah, like today can be the day that you fix that, right? So like Kendrick Perkins and Kevin Durant is a great example. They got into a dust up, a little beef or whatever about, you know, some stuff Kevin Durant said and, Ke- and Perk said back. And today Perk just went on and was just like, you know what, man, I'm just sorry. Like, But he could have texted that. He ain't no, no, to, he, but he, the, reason, the reason why he did it publicly is because the assault came publicly. Like they had a public spat. So let me apologize publicly too. I'm sure they had their own conversation. I mean, listen, th- both of those men are friends with this guy, right? Like, it sucks that these type of things have to bring us back. And it sounds like I got the robot. Do I got the robot right now? You do. All right. Well, let me just transition us then. Because it seemed like we all got the robot, but y'all... y'all we don't did. all have the robot. Me and Sharif right, don't you, have the robot. Okay. Sorry. The one time this Negro don't have a robot, he want to talk. So, because it's usually him. Because he ain't that freak, Nick. <laughs> Man, stop so, saying that. My old, my old lady yeah, listen to this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, bro. You, Sharif just be Wait, breaking bro. all kind of colors. I, I okay. said that 15 <laughs> times in today. You're you like... You should, you should, that means you should hey, stop. She that means you should stop saying that. She called me on it, bro. Yeah, Stop. Reef, stop breaking up homes. Hold so, him accountable. Hold him but, accountable. For, for the record, Ray, Ray is... Be all about accountability on this joke. For the record, right. Freak Nick don't even exist no more, so Ray has never been doing that, Mrs. Ankrum. Uh, not, so that you. was tough. Freak stop. We're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there. I need you to stop, Chris. Thank you. Okay. We're going to move right. on. Right. <laughs> so, but that was tough. That was tough. But thank y'all for the laughs and that, because today was really tough. Uh, but one of the best ways to honor the memory of somebody like Kobe Bryant is by being excellent in what it is that we do and what we love. Um, and it's going out and being dedicated and disciplined to our craft. And today we honor that memory by doing what we do best, fighting for the 8 million black children in, in, in schools across America. So with that being said, our colleague has taken on an immense task. We're very proud of him. Um, in addition to launching the Bright Beam Network, Chris and his team have released an eye-opening report titled The Secret Shame, How America's Most Progressive Cities Betray Their Commitment to Educational Opportunities for All. The report looks at, 12, at the 12 most conservative cities and the 12 most progressive cities in America, and what they found was debilitating results for black and brown students in our progressive cities. This report is extremely eye-opening if you're willing to wrestle with it. Um, Chris, can you just walk us through your own reactions as a CEO that commissioned it? Yeah, so you guys know that I live in Minnesota and the Twin Cities is um, incredibly progressive as a you know liberal progressive left of center um, city with some outstandingly results for kids of color, um, a nation leading gap in uh, Latin and black white achievement period, color period. And uh, Minneapolis is not broke or poor. Minneapolis is a, is a wealthy Lots of college educated people, um, lots of serious lifestyle advantage, 
Like, so probably a lot like cities where you live. And we've been having this argument for a long time of why we are always at the top of lists, but at the bottom of the list when it comes to student. And really, honestly, the, the end of that conversation is usually white people saying the reason that the gap is because white people do so well here and we have poor people of color and, and that that accounts for it. And it's usually followed up with something that really drives somebody who grew up in the South. It, 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 it's followed up with, well, at least we're not Mississippi. Right. At least we're not as bad as as the city or those places down south. And that has always bugged me. But for the last few years, I've traveled and it's been just clear to me that we're not alone. There are a lot of cities like Minneapolis, very liberal, um, booming economies, things going very well for the majority of people, except for kids of color who are living in the margados, looking over a fence, seeing all this prosperity, knowing that in their own city, they will never enjoy the, the majority lifestyle of their city. And uh, as I traveled over time, I started seeing it in a lot of places, but it turned into me wanting to, to do a report on it. Me really find out how kids of color are faring in, um, in our cities. So what we did was we had a list of cities that was about a, a list of a hundred, I think it was. And we took the top progressive cities and the top 12 um, conservative cities to see if we could draw contrasts. And what it turns out, You've seen the report. You know what it says. Gaps between white and black and white and of color are bigger in progressive cities. And these progressive cities have a lot going for themselves. Um, they're not broke. They're not poor. They're not the deep south. They're not, um, you know, in, in any way, shape or form in trouble. Um, Explain away why they do so poorly with kids of color. My, my cat, this became San Francisco. San Francisco is the richest county in California and it does the worst in the state of California with black children. I believe with black, black males specifically, but might be all black kids. But that never really made sense to me after you chart that story publicized in California a year or two ago. And the day that it came out until now, I was never able to get my mind around how you're the richest in the state of the country. I mean, in the state of, uh, 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 of California and you're doing the poorest. Mm-hmm with black kids. Like you live in California, so you probably have an explanation for it than I do. But I don't have a good explanation for it anywhere except for progressivism isn't working for us in these cities and it's working really well for everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be different. That's, that's my bottom line is, if the mayors, the city council, the political people in all of these cities made it their business to close these gaps, they would have more resources to do it than say a place like Jackson, uh, Mississippi would have to do it. You know, a place like, you know, Philadelphia, Mississippi would have to do it or Lafayette, Louisiana. They would have more resources to actually be able to make a big difference. And it's not happening because people, in my mind, are so satisfied with the way things are right now and the, the lifestyles that they're living. So I'll leave it at that. Mm. Got you. Uh, Reef, what was your um, reaction to the, to the report, to what Chris just said? Um, how did you take in the report? Yeah. I mean, I, I took it, uh, you know, not as a surprise, but definitely a confirmation of like, you know, what, what you see, you know, you know, I'm always chuckling because he's always making fun of like tofu towns and, and <laughs> yoga. Acro, yeah. Acro <laughs> yoga and all this stuff. And, and the, the stark reality is, you know, even in places like Philadelphia, I think we, 
Philadelphia didn't make the top of the list. It was like kind of, you know, in the middle. But when you look at like, you know, it is literally the tale of two cities, right? When they say Philadelphia is like, you know, the, the poorest large city and you drive in certain parts and you're like, this place, <laughs> this is the, the, the poor, uh, the poor city. But you realize like it's, it's where, you know, people of color are living and, and the conditions that they're living in. And it's been like that, um, for a long time. And I'm glad he brought up like this Mississippi thing, right? Cause it, that's people will do that. Right. And I, I remember Malcolm X gave a speech when he was welcoming Fannie Lou Hamer. And he said, yeah, everybody wants to talk about Mississippi. He's like, you know what? New York is Mississippi. America that's right. is Mississippi. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, for us to, you know, but that's, that's a typical, you know, the liberal progressive, you know, they love to stick their nose up in the air and say, we treat dark people better than y'all do. Right. And I, and I just cautious, you know, our, our people that just Malcolm said, like, it's, it's the wolf and the fox. <laughs> you know, one is tell is is baring his teeth at you. The other one is trying to be, you know, a foxy liberal and and, uh, <laughs> and trick you in the, in the thinking uh, about this stuff. You know, and I, I wrote a piece on it because I, I just really felt that that what the report was surfacing um, was really important. You look at Philadelphia, you know, everybody wants to talk about Republicans, Republicans that Philadelphia has been a democratic city for, for probably almost 60 years. The registered voters is like eight to one Democrat mm-hmm. versus Republican. Mm-hmm. And the conditions of our schools, of our neighborhoods, of, of the systems, every system and institution that's supposed to be there to support People of color, poor people is absolutely ludicrous. You're talking about like $24,000 is poor for four kids. We have more people in deep poverty than almost any other big city in this country. And that's Democrats have been running it for quite a long time. That's what, you know, I'll say this too. That's what's so uh, bewildering to me about the response from some people who just don't want to believe it or whatnot is in some of these cities, they have local control and the ability to set boundaries, to change who goes to what school, to way way things happen. San Francisco is a great example of they can make anything happen. So how is it that you still end up with so many schools that are all Asian and white in a, in a city, in a district that has so many kids of color? How is it that you still have black kids like sequestered when it's not some screaming racist Republican that is running your schools or running the boundaries or, or how buses move and all that stuff. So even when you leave it all in the hands of the world's most left-wing progressive people and they have all the city, you still end up with these schools where all the black kids are sequestered into really inferior schools and all the white kids and Asian kids are getting the top spots in, the, in a lot of the top schools. And the way that resources move around is, is, is just really not good. It's like not equitable at all. But then you bring up a report like this and people get big mad. They don't want to hear it. Right. They like the people in those cities who are getting such a good deal right now don't want to admit they have a problem. Ray, uh, as the resident Republican, um, <laughs> so, so, so I'm not, I'm not, even, I'm not even saying that as a joke today, but, but, but I'm not, I, I'm not yeah, I'm not, yeah, I wanted to, yeah, oh, as bro, Republican, bro, relax, get. relax, calm down, breathe. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm trying breathe, to give you bail. He ain't used to me agreeing with him on something, but go ahead, no. brother. I want to hear what you, <laughs> I, I want to hear I your thoughts I'm, as a Republican. I'm worried about your energy levels. I just want you to breathe. We got a long show and we got Patreon stuff to do. Um, 
So I don't know if you guys saw my YouTube. I put it in Slack, but you know, y'all don't really, you know. I saw your YouTube, saw, man. I saw yeah, your YouTube. Saw you look right. like a hostage video, but keep going. <laughs> I look like a who? A who a what? A hostage you look like video. a hostage video, but go ahead. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm working on my stuff, man. I'm working on my digital you are, content. You are. Go ahead. But, um, at, at, the, <laughs> at the end of the day, I look at it like this, man. That's a big win for Republicans right there, that report. Um, what? How? I, I don't think so, huge, but continue. Let him, let it's him a finish. huge win for Republicans but because here it is. What's our priority that, if that's a win? It's a win. <laughs> because it, in, in the cities that you would think that, that would be progressive or whatever, you would think that the results for African-American, brown, and Native American uh, students would be through the roof uh, in terms of how, how, how they pitch. They care about these kids and they care about, you know, families of color and people that are poor and disenfranchised or whatever. But then look at the results of the schools. Like, clearly, if we're judging it, how much people care based off of the results of that right being report, they don't give a shit about those people in those progressive cities. Whereas when you look at the conservative cities, black, brown and Native American families are doing better in schools. So if you're comparing the two, then I mean, maybe we need to switch up how we think about how we govern or who we want to govern us is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's yeah, what that's, I, I didn't get that from the that's, report. That's, that's not my takeaway from it. Conclusion. That's not my, my takeaway from it. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if that's if that's your takeaway, I think so. For me, so 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 so, what was your takeaway, sir? So my my takeaway. So I'm the only Democrat that's on the podcast, right? And and I'm I've lived in probably maybe Chris. But I think I've lived in the most cities that's named, right? I've lived in San Francisco. I was born in Chicago and I lived in Oakland. Um, and I went to school in many of those places except for San Francisco. Can y'all hear me? Mm-hmm. We can yeah, hear you yeah. fine. We're just wondering why the hell you won't get Not to the well. Point. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, because I, I heard it ticking in my ear. Oh, no, no. No, no. See, that's for the old people to be the saying other, stuff like the, that. The, the, other thing, <laughs> the other thing is I'm, I was act, I'm active in the Democratic Party. I'm a true progressive, right? Like I, I started a young black Democrats in Chicago, I mean, in Oakland, I co-founded and helped them set up one in San Francisco. And, and I also saw the backlash that Chris got. And my thing is, I don't think about the way that Ray did. And I would even tell Democrats and progressives not to think of it in wins or losses, right? Cause nobody wins when this, when this is the reality, like that's not, but if we use this as some, as an opportunity to look at ourselves and an opportunity to say, are these our true values, right? Are we spewing values that we don't really enact? Um, I think that there are some places where we can build some actual common bonds and have a conversation. What was difficult for me as Chris was being attacked and look, Chris can handle his own. Like me and Chris arguing with stuff. Like, I mean, it's a big brother, little brother relationship. You know, Chris is very capable of handling himself and so are the other brothers on this podcast. But what was so disheartening is everybody that came at him, nobody actually talked about what the report said. They want to talk about everything else. They want to talk about how much money he made or who's doing what or who's getting paid. First off, brother, I done learned more about your business than I one character <laughs> that I didn't know. Secondly, everybody don't like sec- listen. Listen, secondly, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with I mean, but, but sec- that. Right? Secondly, you know? secondly, as a black, as a young black man though, as a young black yeah. man that looked up to drug dealers and ball players and rappers and people making money in other type of ways, bro, you been I wish, in that camp. I wish, I wish, <laughs> I wish that I would have grew up knowing that a Chris Stewart existed and that I could actually live a good life actually caring about our people in that type of way. And I don't even know if those figures were real or whatever. I just, I just felt like, like, damn, how little do y'all think of us? Do y'all really feel like we supposed to do this and like, 
be barely holding on when people got families. So I was, I, it, it bothered me because that was a real moment for us to look at ourselves and kind of come to the table and say, okay, we have obviously been felling black kids, right? Black and brown, but you know how I focus on black kids. We've obviously been felling black kids. Let's actually engage around this conversation. Let's actually say, you know what? I really don't know what I'm doing. Let's actually say we mm-hmm. thought these things would work and our heart was in the right place, but it's clearly not working. You know what I mean? Like it is the emperor's new clothes, man. People are said this before in a previous episode. So what? But I, I believe in this is what I feel, right? <laughs> People are it's is it's popular to anytime somebody has a, a critique about public education, then automatically they hate public education. Automatically they hate everything. When there are facts that are looking at us, right? So the way, the way I don't see it as a win for Republicans or a loss for Democrats. I see it as we fucked up as like as a people and we need something better as long as and I look at it for parents. I want parents to read this and say, yo, I am giving my babies to this system. I am fully trusting my babies with this system. And we have hard factual numbers that are saying that we need to start looking at this a different way. I don't hate public education. I think we should we should fix it. So, Chris, I give you and your team kudos for it. I'm sorry that y'all got to deal with this BS. Um, but that's, you know, that's listen, my reaction listen, as a listen. Democrat. I'm not sorry about it, right? Because all it does for me is prove, like, the point. The point is that progressives are phony people, right? They have all these values that they, they, they declare and they claim constantly. And when it is said to them, San Francisco, you've got a 58-point gap, a uh, black-white gap in, in math achievement, for instance, 58-point mm-hmm. gap. D.C., 62-point gap. Seattle, 47-point gap. Oakland, California, 51. Minneapolis, 53. You're rocking those type of gaps. But when I tell you about it, you want to talk about what, I, what my motive is for telling you that? Mm-hmm. Like why I care, what my job is, how much I get paid, who I work for, who funds right. me, all that type of stuff. You have just lost the debate if all you can talk about is who funds me and my salary and all that stuff when I am telling you that you have a 58-point gap uh, between black and whites in your rich-ass city, right? So, mm-hmm. so let's just start there. Let's just yeah, start there. But let me back up just for one second and say, I am well-paid. Mm-hmm. I love my job. This is my 42nd or 43rd job that I've had in my life. The majority of my jobs have been in the service industry as a prep cook, hotels, and various other service positions and customer service positions. So if you think roasting me is telling me that I have a good job and I'm well paid, good for you. It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life, but good for you because that's not how roasting works. You, yeah. It's not a roast right. when you say you're well paid. <laughs> you know that's that's the dumbest roast want, ever. If you, I have you arrived, want me to do this shit for free, <laughs> like, right? Like, and so, anyways, like listen. It, but uh, if you're I'm, good, you should get paid, and you should get paid well. And, and I just you know, and you and know I, your you know, work. Here's the thing. I don't want to. I don't want to like uh, run. It's not that. about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not even about. That. It's not like you know they could say like you make this much money, blah blah, whatever. And I'm supposed to say, well, like I feel sorry. You big dummy. Like. Like you wake up every day in a capitalist country. Your job is not to die like hungry, uh, uh, no matter what you do. But if you do something that is personally meaningful to you every day, it's like something you, you have wanted to do your whole life and you get paid well for it. And for the record, this is what really, really, really must be said about this is I love my salary. I love what I get paid. I love the fact that I wake up every day doing something that I love and being able to say what I want to say for people and you can't fire me. 
Like, like the ability that you can't fire me when I piss you off talking about your system is a big deal in the United States for a black mm-hmm. person. Oh, yeah. I still want to say, after saying all that, I want you to know that for what I do and for my position and, uh, and my level, I'm paid 40% less than, than, my, than, than other people doing my job, right? So if you were to look at my salary across the board and, and people, my peers in my group, I am paid less than other people doing what I do. Kind of weird, isn't it? Right. I mean, but it, it shouldn't even matter, man. Hey, I mean, right, right. So, I don't, I don't want to. No, I want to be clear. That does matter. <laughs> it shouldn't, though. It shouldn't. I mean, I'm just it's saying it shouldn't matter. that shouldn't matter. Yeah. The truth so, is yeah. the truth. I, I have a response yeah. after Ray, but go ahead, Ray. So I want to focus more, more so on the on the report. So one thing that I appreciated about the report, besides the fact that it elevated Republicans. Um, it, it did just not. The fact that it did it not elevate Republicans. It did not. It absolutely <laughs> did. You read it how you want. Read it how I want. Right. Oh, um, right. right. What it said was that Black, Latino, it Native said, children were suffering across the country. Right. And people couldn't say like wave that, some that, banner, imaginary banner, suffer say, more. And uh, that's a that's a terrible and, take, Ray. That's that, that that's a terrible Ray, take. Ray. Ray, that's a convenient take because the bottom line he is, didn't annotate when he was reading. He didn't annotate. It said the gaps. The gaps are bigger in progressive cities. It didn't say that there was no gaps. There are no gaps in the right. conservative cities. Hey, so, so listen. So listen. So, so, so if you, all right. So, all right. A couple things with regards to what you guys are saying and what I said you're saying. My, well, my Fox News take. All right. So, that's exactly if you have the choice. Was. If you have the choice to be in a progressive city that's doing far worse, or to be in a conservative city that's doing less worse, which one are you going to pick for your child? I want my child to be in a less worse position? That's not true, Ray. And let me tell you why. Because you, you're you from Louisiana and you and your family live in New York. We Okay. What does What is that saying? That's saying that if that were the case and you really believe that, then you'd move your family back to Louisiana. Well, my old lady is not from Louisiana. She's from I'm New not, York. I'm, I'm just I'm saying. I'm, I'm, moved, I'm going off, I'm just I'm going off of your point. I'm going I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going to let you do that. This, but that's the point All that right. you made, so the, right? The second thing, the second thing that I'm saying here, Charles, are you okay? So, are you breathing? Okay. I'm good, bro. It is a rough day for me. I'm not going to front. I'm really, I am struggling. Okay. Go ahead. You might be right. So, <laughs> the, the report did not focus on implementing new policies. All it did was just highlight the gaps. So if you're being pissed off because the gaps is highlighted, that's then that's a, a you problem. Yeah, that's, that's a, a you problem. It's not yeah. like this report, at the end of the report, it had findings and then suggestions and whatnot as we were, we were about to take this to D.C. and try to implement it and make it law, make it ed law or whatever. It never said that. Nowhere, as a matter of fact, in the beginning of the report is a disclaimer that says that we are not trying to, we're not trying to, we're not doing this report to make it any kind of policy. We're just doing this report to show you the gaps that are happening in these progressive cities. So, Chris, big homie, shout out to you for that report. That shit was all right. That's a good point, though. This point that you're making right now, please, please, people listening to this, understand this. That point is the most important point. This is that there are no policy prescriptions here. Mm. There are no like, you know, you should do this because we said this, you know, like there's no policy attached to this. There's just like three recommendations recommendations for leaders and recommendations for constituents in those cities. The main thing is just, you can't let this go on year and year, year over year without having a plan. San Francisco must have a plan for what it's going to do to turn this around. You can't just have this gap year over year. 50 but this, but, this, this, but so. Chris, this is the thing, right? Like, 
white kids, like I know you said that it's a lot of Asian and white kids that go to those schools, but most of the white kids, most of the people that have money in San Francisco don't send their kids to that public school, right? Like I it's don't not buy that though. But they don't. I'm just telling you the numbers. Like I don't we have buy, no, no, number wise, I don't buy it. Like like but, in a city, in a city where where uh low income is so high. Right. A good number of the people in the public schools in San Francisco are are actually would be considered rich somewhere else. I understand that. But what, what I'm saying is just knowing the landscape of San Francisco, most of those really low income people and those people of color are gone. Right. They're actually moved out. They pushed out. Right. It's more in Oakland, but they're leaving, too. I guess. I, listen, we I think it's a it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal report. And it made me think about the report that we put out. And I was just like, damn, I need it. Like I'm taking lessons from how you all did your report and put it out versus what we did. Cause my report said the same thing, right? It was like, we praising and doing all this stuff about black kids graduating. And when we actually look at the numbers for more than two seconds, like we actually giving out more hollow graduations than before. Like we didn't fix nothing. We just moved the ball and, but I think I think Ray was right, man, and 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 I am a little fucked up today, and and it's for a few reasons, not just the Kobe thing. You all saw me post about like I work in hospitals too, right? I'm more upset about how immature our field is in education because I spend so much time in both healthcare and education, and I just want to say like there are people on healthcare side that got just as much beef that that just as much philosophical differences, right? That don't like each other, that really don't like each other, and they dealing with more money. But when that blue light comes on, I asked you this, right? I put this in the group and Chris, you had an answer when I posted this on Twitter. I said, where's our blue light in education? And you basically was like, it ain't one. You know what I'm saying? Like if this, if this doesn't bring our people together, if this does, if we actually say we care about kids, like it shouldn't matter who's giving us this message. If we are saying that this is what the reality is. And it's just sad, man. For the first time since y'all have known me, I got to post something from my healthcare work. We had a kid that was going through some real stuff. I mean, before the age of three, y'all, like y'all don't understand, man, like all type of tubes, like hardcore chemo, right? Like, but when the blue light came on, those people that hate each other, they did their fucking job. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like they did their job. And when I see people coming at Chris or Ed Post or whatever, right? Whatever the new name is, right? Like, it's what like- is the new name? What is the new name, bro? What is the new name? It's Brightman. It's bright he, he said, whatever the, he said, it's, whatever the, <laughs> and you know, he's, he's in his moment right now, bro. Let him go. He's passionate. But I, I just, I just, but what I'm, I'm, I'm going to like get a podcast with white people. The so problem. Can, yeah. So they can remember the names. with names and stuff. And like, so, when I, so, when, so when me and Ray they, try to make the podcast more professional. They, they, they mess up Sharif and Zinga, Ayana. That's true. They're not good with names. This is true. They're good with regular names though. But the point. My name is regular, bro. What are you talking about? What's that mean? The point, the point, the point, the point Yo, that I'm making, making a, a hell of a point, and y'all jump in with this. With the, this, with the, this. the point that right. I, the point that I'm making right, is ahead, that go ahead, make your point. I, most of my reports that I get on that board is about people dying, like children dying, right? And I can't talk about it. And so we had a little girl who just wanted to have a bubble bath, and she got to go home and do that. And what people say on the education side, well, it's not, but. On the education side, our people are dying too. Like, it's not about the numbers. It's not about the test score per se. It's about what those scores represent. And if you are black or brown and you are, you can't read and you're failing out of school. And as somebody, I have a doctorate degree, yo. Like, I have, I make decent money. I don't make a great ton of money, but I make decent money. I can't buy a home in my city. Like, I can't buy a home in Oakland. So what's going to happen to these kids that's represented in this report? 
And if your first answer is to attack the person that wrote the report as opposed to rallying around kids and important around and saying, yo, how do we come together and actually figure this out? Let's actually do a deep dive. It makes me sad. And, and, and I say this whole we're on our own and people think I'm just being flipping about it. But when I say that, man, I mean it because our kids are dying. They are dying. They are in Chicago. They are dying in Detroit. They are dying in 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 Oakland. They have they're dying. We used to put a bro. We used to put a paper out every year that talked about every single murder that happened in Oakland, and we we plotted it on a map every single year for about five years. Do you understand? So when somebody gives us a report and that says, you know what, this might be an issue. I just feel like the the if people really care about kids, that's not your first reaction. I, I'm done, but that's just it, it, it's a lot of things hitting me today, um, and that's just one. But listen you can, to what you just said, though, because what you just said is the problem. If they really do care about kids, their response would be different when they see a report like this. And what they keep telling us over and over again is it isn't about kids or parents; it's about the system. Mm -hmm. So they really care about the fact that if anything comes out of your mouth that they see as threatening to the system that they believe is actually the cornerstone of democracy Mm -hmm. and the thing that makes America great, Mm -hmm. like in their eyes, is like common schools and common public schools and their teachers and all that. Any threat to that to them is is worthy of fighting back on. So if they see a report and they think, well, you know, like, listen. These people are usually for some form of reform. So I don't care what the report says. It's basically probably a Trojan horse for some policy prescription that's reform oriented. They're going to see that as a threat. They're going to see that as a threat. So what what are you saying? You're saying we should get rid of public education? You're saying that we should get rid of the system? Are you saying that we should like blame the schools for the poverty of people? Like, yeah, there's a gap. There's of course there's a gap. Those people are poor. Like they're very poor. So you're going to blame us for that. You're going to blame the schools for that. You're going to blame the teachers and the, the superintendent for that, for the fact that your people are, are really poor. Right. That's the response that I see get exposed with the response to a report like this, because all the report says is that you have un- immoral gaps and you have to have a plan to fix it. Right. Like, exactly. like demand a plan right now. I'm not even telling you what it's got to be, but you have to, you can't have a mayor in your city who's telegenic and on the news all the time and giving press conferences and business meetings all over the place and super proud about his city. And nobody ever says, yeah, but you know what? Your schools are reproducing inequities all over the place. And he doesn't even have to answer for that. Your mayor doesn't even have to answer for that in Oakland. Uh, your but, San Francisco but the, mayor doesn't but have the, to answer but, that. But so. the mayors in Oakland and San Francisco also don't run the schools either. Right? That, that's the wrong answer, though. But I'm that's not, the wrong I'm answer. Not, I'm not saying... No, 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 no. no let me back up. Let but me a lot back of up, people don't know that. A lot, I'm just saying a lot of people don't know people, that. People, people should demand that like you don't need to know that because they are the they are the leader of a city and the children are under their jurisdiction, period. The children and of San Francisco... The children being what is, what is poor the in San Francisco, and, you know, is 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 on your watch. As a mayor, if the I'm housing the CEO problem, of a you know, city, a, right. and, and something like that is, exactly. I'm the CEO of a city. Exactly. Like, like and I don't so what, care. So if what would you direct, do in Oakland? So what I don't would you care do in if it's Oakland? a direct line I'm, or not? I'm asking you, what would you do in Oakland in a place where you actually don't have control over who's on that board and what's happening? What would so, you so I, first of all, I don't have an independent board. That's I don't. That's number one, I don't believe you. No, I don't believe you don't have any control. I'm, I'm I don't asking, believe that this is so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Because because like this mayor in Oakland right now is less interested than Jerry Brown was in the schools. So, I, so, I, I, so she she was really really like whatever the district okay. was trying to do. Yes or just, not? Yes or just, no? Yes or no? I will just say this: mm-hmm. you have some mayors that are. And creative. she started as a school board member, by the way. You have some mayors that are creative about how they use their their jurisdiction and all the mar- and to marshal the resources that they have. Uh, right. To be able to do to to be able to support the school shouldn't exist in a city and be on their own period right you like you find this in city after city there are entire city councils and mayors who don't even believe that the schools are like an essential part of what they have to wake up thinking about every day but they do wake up thinking about every other city service as if it's underneath them even ones where they don't directly have control over them right right but as part of the city you're a mayor of a city you can't be talking about a world class city. Mm-hmm. That has like third world schools. <laughs> that don't make any sense. You can when you don't value black people and poor people. Exactly. I mean, but that's that's where exactly. that's where it is, right? And I think a lot of the backlash about a report that just points out what they know already. They just don't want to talk about it. One. So anything anybody that's shining a light on stuff that people don't want to talk about is problematic. That's secondly. Right. There's exposure, right? Like, because at the end of the day, people keep bringing up poverty, and I'm not saying like, listen, I'm never. You know, someone to say, I think, you know, enforcing, creating systems that impoverishes communities is is criminal. So that let's let's say that. But what I also want to push out is many of these progressives, people, period, but particularly progressive who want to take, let's say that they have the higher more ground. They don't believe that poor black and brown children can learn. And when you point that out to them, then they have a problem. But at the end of the day, they do not believe it. And when you say anything about accountability, this is why they push back. They're saying, if you are poor, you are not going to learn. You can't learn. And we're not going to support. We're not going to hold anybody accountable for you to learn. That's the essential issue that no one's. If you're you're poor, you know what? Don't worry about it. They can't really do it. So it's not right to hold anybody accountable. Both the people in the school as well as those adjacent to the school. You are accountable for children to learn. And there's pockets all around the country that shows poor children can learn well but, it, but how, are, how are you accountable i mean this is the thing right nobody nobody's accountable that's the issue right and like no nothing changes you don't lose your job if black kids aren't learning you don't get ousted if black people aren't learning right well, like, you might I, get a promotion and chris i want to ask you a question right because I, I don't want to just say this flippantly i'm the person who lived on the most of these cities right like or, or maybe it's you I, that's the on, second on time this you said list, flippantly <laughs> so I, don't, I, I, I am but am i the that person was, who lived in the, in the majority of these cities like i lived in let me take a look at them because i lived in a lot of because i know you lived in oakland yeah. you lived in oakland and minneapolis yeah um, st paul is on the list there um not well minneapolis is you don't have st paul but no st paul there's st paul's in the list of the top 12 that we that we um did, san francisco washington seattle oakland boston minneapolis detroit new york buffalo baltimore chicago portland yeah. So um, I, I guess what, what what I guess what I'm saying is because there was something that you said is like the only thing that these progressive cities are kind of filling in is like the education thing, right? And and Chicago, not not Chicago, Oakland and San Francisco have tent cities. Yeah, like, that's like, not the only thing that they're filling. Like, like, that's like, not what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not the only. thing. Oh, okay. I just no, but, no. but got you, got you. But, I, but I'm saying that like, and you live there, so you probably can val- validate or not what I'm about to say is. Uh-huh. I'm saying that the wealth in those cities is crazy in comparison and to every other city growing. you go to, and it's yeah. super growing. Yeah, like to yeah, any other city, if you, if you tried to like 
if you tried to match up Oakland to some of the other cities on this list in terms of wealth, right? Uh, and San Francisco and DC it's and stupid. Seattle, it's it would just stupid. be stupid wealth, it's right? Stupid. So if you wanted to have a fair society in any of those places, you would be starting with more than if right. you wanted to do it in, say, for instance, Anchorage, Alaska, or some shit, right? Right. Um, so if you were the mayor of Oakland and San Francisco versus being the the, the mayor of Omaha. Right. right. Like you, we are starting on third base in some ways. Right. You got a booming, booming business economy. You got people like, you know, Salesforce or LinkedIn giving you a hundred million dollars just with no strings and shit, you know, and, and people, the tax base being out of hand, like the taxes on the houses, like could damn near, you know, be a small nation in itself in the amount of money. So, so, so if you're the mayor and you care in one of those cities and you were to marshal the business community, the schools, the housing community, all of your social services, all your other jurisdictional partners, everybody else who has power in a city, because you're the president of a city and you had a vision and a plan, now you're worth something. And, and I want to be clear about this. Not all of these places are failing in that. Right. There are places where like where where mayors and city council and other people are stepping up like in, in for instance, in Minneapolis, as much as I give them a, a hard time about this one thing, they're doing this other thing where they're making it easier for families to be sta- have stable housing. So they stay in the same schools mm-hmm. so that the, so the kids, you know, they're, they're trying to solve for kids being mobile, overly right. mobile. And they, the schools can't do that by themselves. They actually need the housing authority and the mayor and the business community to put some money together and a little process together to make sure that kids stay in the same damn housing for the full year. Right. That's the type of thing you would hope was happening in all of the cities. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. I, I, it, well, go ahead. I, 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 was just gonna say, I mean, this, this happens this so much. So, so a while ago, I remember I was, I was in a school when, um, when the governor said, Hey, I, like, let's look at this transportation issue because, you know, we already had the segregated uh, redlining and homes and things like that. But then you were like actually bound. You were inland bound because even if you got accepted to another school outside of your neighborhood, you couldn't get there. Right. But if you were poor, just the expense of, of catching, you know, two or three buses to a new to a school and back, you know, it was problematic. The governor's like, hey, let's let's do something about it. The the uh, the transportation authority, the so-called public transportation authority and the democratically elected all this nonsense. (laughs) Right. They said we actually don't want these kids on our buses. Right. And so they were like they didn't want to do it at all. Like and so that, you know, the governor had to like, you know, it was like, yo, this is subsidized from the state. (laughs) You will do this. But the pushback from people within the city, many of them were, you know, white folks who would say, I'm a Democrat, I'm progressive. At the same time, at the other end of their body, they were saying, I don't want that to happen. Right. And like so those kind of things happen over and over and over again. And if you look at the ring around Philadelphia, particularly like Lower Marion, where where Kobe was and and Montgomery County, their wealth rivals Silicon Valley. Right wow. outside of Philadelphia. Wow. So if you look at it evenly, it's it's about the same, right? But for poor people, 
don't have access to that, right? Like there's a very firm line, Can I, very firm line. Here's the question I was going to ask. At, well, the, the point I was going to make that rose into a question, right? As somebody who lives in Oakland. So Oakland has 121 schools, uh, 87 are district run, uh, 34 are district authorized charter schools, right? And that's what you hear a lot about. 36,000 of our students are in our traditional schools, which is a huge drop in 13 thousand about roughly 14,000 are in our charter schools if I and so people blame charter schools for a lot of this stuff right and I this isn't a I don't care right whatever wherever you choose I don't give it I don't care if I asked y'all how many because you ain't never heard about private schools in Oakland which are some of the best in the country by the way how many private schools you think we got in Oakland because I because I, I think this actually feeds into your question, Chris. This actually feeds into your report around how are we growing so well financially and becoming so much richer, and we got people living on the street. How many how many private schools would you guess we got in Oakland? Fifty two. You are actually really really close. It's about yeah. It's it's a little bit more than that. It's about sixty, right? Like mm-hmm. we never ever ever hear about that. And people send their kids from Silicon Valley into Oakland. They send their kids from San Francisco into Oakland. Oakland has some of the best private schools in the country, right? And like the thing is, is that when I listen, because these you you are not if you are black and poor and brown and poor, you don't factor into how well the city is doing. It is the bottom line about per capita and about how much money folks have. So even though we are at the most profitable that we've ever been in Oakland, right? The most we just passed an ordinance. So in Oakland. In most cities, you can only build buildings so high. That's why New York has the highest building, Chicago, L.A., and San Francisco, right? But now Oakland just passed one of those ordinances because we have so much money in the place. So you can be a winning mayor. You can be, like, you can set just... Because of the earthquakes. Nah, it's just, it's, um, well, some cities just don't like having that because it, it <clears throat> overcrowds them, whatever, right? But the point is, is that when I say you don't matter, this is what I'm talking about. Like we can have people living in actual tents in like hobble cities, right? Where we're putting out people. It's so, it's so man, next time y'all come to Oakland, just walk around, like really just walk around. Like there are families living in tents, man. Like, do you want to, like, I need you to grapple. It's It was raining like cats and dogs yesterday and motherfuckers is living in tents. So, but Oakland is considered one of the, the, the most on the rise cities in the world right now. Right. And so I think to your point, Chris, I appreciate you all making this. Um, I don't have an answer. I don't know what the answer is. No, but listen to I what just, you just said, Charles. Just listen to that. If I was the mayor of a city that was among the richest cities in the world and I had people living in tents, I would have to answer for that. What is wrong with what is wrong with your leadership? What is wrong with your leadership of a city that has tents as people living underneath highway overpasses? And I've seen the tents. You don't have to tell me I've been there because as a person who lives in Minnesota and we don't have tent cities in Minnesota. It it hits you harder when you come to a place. Well, let me tell you one of the reasons like we have a very strong um, social safety net in Minnesota, but it's for a very practical reason. If you didn't have it, people would freeze to death, mm-hmm. right? 
So we right. can't have tent cities. Like the police will pick you up. Right. Off it's the like street. Chicago, like Chicago, right. like Chicago will cut you off your heat in the winter or something. Like that. Well, yeah. And, and, and if they see you outside and you are homeless, they will pick you up and make you go to a shelter. They will take you somewhere. Right. Cool. So it's like we can't really even have tent cities if we wanted to because people would die. And, and when it, the stakes are that high, you develop uh, a social safety net. But if you're living in a city like Oakland and, and you become the mayor, and you're a world-class mayor of a world-class city and you've got all these resources and whatnot. I know I'm simplifying what I'm about to say sounds simple, but how the hell are you never on, on the hook for having tent cities and having... No, she gets it. I'm not going to front. Extraordinary, she, she, extraordinary she wealth it, and extraordinary poverty in the same city, right? Like, she gets it. That's a problem. That's a problem. And in the mix is the schools. And, and you know, I just looked it up as you were talking. You know, y'all got like 50% enrollment in those private schools. Minority enrollment, fifty percent minority enrollment in those those private schools, which to me is a trip. That's a lot. Um, but no matter, like Seattle has damn near thirty percent of their people in private schools, which is three times the national average. Right, right. And they also have poverty in the same city. So if you're the leader of that city, I just think all of the children—the rich, the poor, the private schools, the charters, the district, the Roman Catholic, whatever—none of those children are out of your jurisdiction. They're all your kids. Mm-hmm. You, you you're on the hook for them all doing well you know? and chris we're gonna we're, i know we have to we've been going and it's a good show why don't you like what do you want the final takeaway from this article to be who are you inviting into the tent to have discussions or whatever like tell us the plans of the road show but this is about to wrap us into our final thoughts and and chris i can give you both this one and i can give you the final final thoughts since it's your report um, so just the, the real thing was to flash a light on the fact that progressive cities have declared values that they're not living up to and to say that their kids living in the margins and the report does that. What people do with that information is on them and what leaders do with that information is on them. But really, we're aiming this at the constituents and the stakeholders in those cities to demand more of their leaders. And then, number one, that they have a plan, that that plan is co-created with the community and can be monitored year over year and can be monitored for progress um, specifically to, 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 to say that this is a baseline next year. It should be better than this. If you have 30, uh, 53 point gap this year, Minneapolis next year, you got to do better than this. That wasn't a secret when we did a, 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 a community-based forum on this a couple of nights ago, it was not a secret to any of the people that are real stakeholders who want change mm-hmm. and nobody uh, disrespected the report discounted it or even argued about it. It's the, it's the reality. They live it. So it was right in line with what they want to hear and what they want to say. The bottom line is they need it as an organizing document to hold their state as stakeholders, to hold their leaders accountable, starting with the mayor, the city council, all the electeds that have any type of role in making sure that the children of their cities are safe and healthy uh, and learning. Mm -hmm. Sharif. Thank you for that, Chris. Sharif. Yeah. I mean, I I would just say, you know, I I appreciate, you know, anytime we can shine a light on like what's happening um, and really push, you know, cities and people in positions of power and influence to think about all children, really think about the city. I agree. I cringe every time I hear about Philadelphia being a world class city, um, you know, because the Pope came here or because we got more green space or, you know, because the Eagles won a Super Bowl, you know, any of this silly stuff when kids are dying in the, in the streets, you know, and I think about this uh, report that a Drexel University professor did uh, back in, I think, 2015, where he looked at 9,000 high school students, longitudinal, 
And and to see that, you know, one, only about 54% of black boys graduated in four years. 87% of them uh, had no training after high school whatsoever, right? And so like, what what economy will they be a part of? How will they, you know, benefit from all the sky rises and the grass on the rooftops and all this stuff? They're just like permanently shut out of so many, um, you know, opportunities. And, you know, back to that opportunity gap. Uh, the Philadelphia Citizen, which sometimes I, you know, I, I, I write um, some pieces for, they had this article that I'm not finished, but I started I'm like halfway through. And it's really talking about progressive versus reformers. And that so many progressives are just ideologues. They're the hashtag folks. They like to talk trash, um, but, but may not necessarily have actual plans to, to move a city forward and particularly to support a district in moving forward in, in any meaningful way. Right. Bro, honestly, uh, my takeaway is this. If I'm working in a failing school and I'm well situated and close to a school that is doing well, then I'm going to be hell bent on getting in contact with those folks that run that school that's doing things really well in order to go in and study their best practices uh, to make sure that my teachers are interacting with their teachers to make sure that they're having conversations about what's going on so that I can improve my school. Because my job as a school leader is to get my kids to a space to where they are learning at the highest uh, pinnacle. And so if I am a mayor of a city and my school system is not as underperforming or underwhelming. And there's a city that is doing better than my city, regardless if it's progressive or conservative or whatever, then I'm going to get my people to that city. I'm going to get to that city and I'm going to find out what's going on in those cities in order to bring back, bring that back to my city in order to make sure that the people in my city, my constituents are getting the best that they can get from me as their leader on a local level. And so that's my takeaway. Um, and again, I want to emphasize that that bribery report was tough and it was honest mm-hmm. and it didn't prescribe anything. And it's kind of like, the, it's kind of like, I want to say, I don't want to big Chris up too much. You know how he gets, but, um, <laughs> what's that? It was, what's that it mean? was, uh, what's that mean? Freak it, was, it was, it was, a, <laughs> I see. Yeah. That mean, freak it was, it was, it was kind of like, it was like the, it was like the education Mueller report. So think about how many people read the Mueller report, because if you read the Mueller report, then we, we wouldn't still have the president that we have if you read that report. Right. And so it's the same thing with this bright wing report. If you read this report, then a lot of these public officials that are that are uh, a, a lot of these elected officials, they wouldn't get an, uh, 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 they wouldn't get reelected. So that's my take. Um, thank you for that, Ray. Uh, Chris, you gonna you're going to close us, close us out because yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can like do it. I'm I, I'm I'm just fucked up, man. And it's a lot of shit happening. It's a lot between this Kobe stuff and his daughter, between the stuff happening at the hospital with these kids and just reading these reports. Um, my cousin getting shot a few like months ago. He's good, but like just all that and like, and just how dogmatic people are with not being able to actually just take this information. They just want to, people want to fight much more and they actually want to help kids. And I think that, I'm just hurt, man. I'm I'm hurt as somebody who lives in these places. I don't have an answer. I think that, um, Chris, I appreciate you and your team building it. And I know this is kind of incoherent, but like, I'm just hurting. I, yeah, I'm, so so I, let me I'm take just, you, let me take you out but, of your pain. Let me take but, you out of your misery. But can I go ahead, bro? 
All right, so there's one more thing that I that, that, that's fine. No, there's, there's one more thing that I want to add. I really want to say this, right? And so when you folks on, on on whatever side you're on or whatever, when you launch personal attacks against people that we care about, right? So like it's one thing if you're talking about I will I, I disagree with this policy or I disagree with how this person said this and I disagree with this report or whatever, right? But when that shit gets personal then you're bringing us all into it, right? You're bringing us all into it because you're talking about people that we care about. And so don't get mad when you call names, you say this, you say that. And then when the mudslinging returns but, on... But Chris, on I mean, I, but I hear you, right? That wasn't... The, that, I, I got you. I, I want you to... You can make that point on, on yours. I just... Because... I already had mine. I, I, yeah, then you just interrupted mine. But <laughs> <laughs> you were incoherent. Um, <laughs> maybe, man, maybe I just oh. <laughs> Black folks listening to this, man Like Nobody can, like, save us Like, nobody is coming There is no Superman The very smart people or Quote-unquote smart people in our industry Are more interested in other shit Than, like, actually fixing this problem We gotta, fig- we gotta figure this out And we gotta learn how to build some safety nets I will, I don't know I'll try to put some stuff out there with that Ray, I do appreciate you, bro Like Trying to, and I, and I might be incoherent. I just need to have this moment. It's fine. Um, and I know you want to do Patreon. And shout out to Ray. Ray is working really hard behind the scenes to build out this Patreon experience for our guests. And I introduced I, him to that. Hopefully, to I got Patreon. it. No, you didn't. You didn't. At you didn't all. know what the hell Patreon <laughs> was. <laughs> I, I still don't. I got no transparency. Ho- ho- I have- ho- ho- hopefully, I got it for the night, bro. I don't know if I do, man. But like, I'm. I'm like not joking. Like I'm really like kind of fucked up about this. And I just, mm-hmm. but, but Chris, I really super appreciate what you built. I appreciate mm-hmm. you standing in it and like taking whatever comes with it. I know a lot of these casts, like this ain't I, like me and we was talking about this in a Slack. Like this ain't real beat. I'm probably the only one that like considers like swinging on somebody. I know people on both sides of this stuff. It ain't that serious, I guess for, for them. It is for me, but I just, I appreciate you, man. Um, we the next thing I want to focus on is I want to focus with people from our community on what they can do to safeguard their kids despite this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, take us out. Uh, and my apologies to the podcast. My apologies to the team for being incoherent. It's a it's a tough fucking month. It is a mm-hmm. tough last few months, and it just kind of culminated for me tonight for a few different reasons. So my apologies, uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. Can you close us out because I can't do it. You said months. Months, M U N T S, months. That that's not Oakland. That's that's the Louisiana, bro. That, that's that's the that Kentucky out of me coming out. The Kentucky. You don't live say, in Kentucky, right? So you yeah. was about to say frustrated too, wasn't you? I, I, so frustrated, <laughs> right? I'm I'm struggling. I'm man. frustrated hey, this month. Say that for the Patreon. <laughs> I'm frustrated. So listen, um, you're not incoherent. You're not wrong to be messed up. You're. Uh, you, this is why I love my people on this podcast. This is why I love what we have going on. This is why I love our listeners and the people who listen and engage in this because nobody wants to sit around and listen to education commentary. So we should feel very blessed and lucky that people are even listening to this and enjoying it and that they're hearing something in it that they think needs to be said. I actually believe you every time, Charles, when you say that we are on our own in many ways. 
But the way in which I, I disagree with you on that is I actually believe that we're in better shape than, 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 than all of that. I believe that we're on our own if we are depending on humans and systems and the people who lead these systems and leaders to do stuff for us without us making them do it. But I do not believe that God has left us on our own. I do believe that God has us and, and that, that justice will always win in the long run. Shining a light on the marginalized children in all of these cities is the least that I could possibly do. It's the easiest, most convenient, least thing I can do is to say, God damn it, like, like, like Jesus Christ or anybody else would have done in their time, you have to overturn the money tables. You have to let people know what's, what's good and what's not good in the temple. And you have to actually shine a light on the faces at the bottom of the well and say, stop ignoring them. Stop stepping over them as you're going to eat your like $15 breakfasts with nothing but like coffee and a bagel or something like that. And you see the tent cities, you see the kids living in them, you see people with the damn dog living in them and you, you're blind to it. You're blind to it. You're, you're, you're like the people in the Bible where, where, where Jesus is talking about how I, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was in jail and you never visited me. All of those things. That is a corrupt society that can step over that. And, and, and if the most we have to do is tell the truth about it and shine a light on it and then take all the crap, the blowback from the people who are, po- who are profiting on the system being that way and, and, and wanting to keep it that way, then we have it pretty good if that's the toughest we're ever going to get is blowback from people who are, who have privilege and power and enjoying the power imbalance of the way that this city is, uh, these cities are right now with this. These are educated black men on this podcast. These are educated black women, men, uh, white, different colors listening to this podcast. And we have more power than we think we do. We have more, way more power than we think we do, but the devil has a vested interest in us being um, discordant with each other and being um, a little bit luxurious about what we consider facts and not facts and what we pay attention to and don't pay attention to, to have us be distracted. So let's not be distracted. Let's not be fooled. Let's not be bamboozled. Let's not be thrown off of our game. We have 8 million black kids, 13 million Latino kids, and millions more of kids of all different colors and hues and backgrounds who are being marginalized by these systems who will never enjoy the prosperity of this country or any other country or the cities that they, they live in. As long as we know that's true and we wake up every day pretending like that is the thing that we need to, to marshal our energy around, we will be right and we will be okay, and we will be fine, and people can hate it, they can love it, they can do whatever they want, but no weapon formed against us will ever prevail. God has got us on this, and we just need to wake up every day and make that a reality, make that happen. So you're not incoherent, Charles. Uh, My other brothers on this podcast, God bless you, I love you, thank you for, um, no matter what, I know you got my back, you got these kids back, and, and it's always going to be good. It's always going to be good because we got each other and we're going to stand together on this and, and let anybody come for us. Even if those jokers detest it, we we going to keep standing. We're going to keep standing. We're going to keep standing. We're going to fight and we're going to win. And and we're going to do it because our survival depends on it. Just period. Pamoja tutashenda. That's what's up, man. You have been listening to Uda, what another. A- you've been listening to another episode. Uda, <laughs> He has no cultural background whatsoever. You've been listening to another episode of A Black Hands. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the A Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecki, and Stuart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. 
Thank you for listening. 